0: How many of you guys had a good Thanksgiving? Come on. Hopefully, uh, somebody told me earlier what that little chemical is in the turkey that keeps you tired. Hopefully, that's out of your system now. If you're anything like me, though, I'm the guy that eats Thanksgiving meals for like a week afterwards because I love it so much. In fact, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday uh, because of the food. It's just a food holiday, and I love it, and I like to eat, so I'm good with that, right? Y'all good this morning? All right, let's go ahead and turn in or on our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. That's where we're going to start in. There's several verses we're going to hit today, so I hope you're going to take notes. And then i, I got something special I want to show you. But as you're turning there, I want to remind you that coming up on December the 19th is Christmas at Radiate. Right here, we got four experiences coming up. You're going to get more information about that coming up very soon in the next week or two. Some specific invite cards for that day. Um, but leading up to that, we're doing a series called Flippin' Christmas, all right. You got your invite cards on your way out. Make sure you're bringing people to both of those. We want to pack the house and watch Jesus change people's lives this Christmas season. And you need to be at Flipping Christmas, all right. You just need to be at Flipping Christmas. You need to be at Flipping Christmas, and you need to bring somebody to Flipping Christmas. You need to, when you invite them, say it with an edge because it makes it even better, right? Just be like, "You're going to Flipping Christmas with me this year." Don't even you don't even have to explain like what it's about. Just intimidate them until they come. No, we're excited to be there, and it's going to be a great time. Let me let me jump right in. Today, uh, So we've been in this series called Making Sense, and we've been talking about biblical financial stewardship and what that looks like and what that means and, 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 and what that entails. And the reality is, is that it's called financial stewardship in the Bible because stewardship means management, a financial manager. Now, why do we manage finances? Because it's not ours. You only manage something that's not yours. You own what is yours. All right, so when I manage finances, when I manage money, then I'm managing something or stewarding something or taking care of something that is not mine. We talked a lot about that last week in the sense that everything that I have, every paycheck I get may come from my boss, but it's really coming through him because it's coming from God. It's all God's to begin with. God just wants us to financially manage it and steward it. Well, that's where budgets and learning about that and all that stuff comes in. Now, here's the reality. I understand there's people watching online and there's people in the room today that are like, of course, of course, the church is going to talk about money. Of course they are. And I just want you to know, yes, of course we are. Because our mission here is to equip and empower people to live the life God intends, not the life you intend, not the life I intend, the life God intends. And if that is our mission, and I'm going to be true and held accountable for the mission that God's called us to, I cannot talk about everything except money. I can't talk about everything that you want to hear and nothing that you don't want to hear. We have to talk about all of it because I just believe, and I think it's an important topic anyway. God has a lot to say about it in the Bible. God has a lot to say about it through His Spirit. But watch this. I believe the more that I I, I surrender my life to Jesus, the more I study the Bible, the more I study God, the more I study the kingdom, I believe that true followers of Jesus, true followers of Jesus, should be the most generous people on the planet. Now, I said that correctly. I said it on purpose. True followers of Jesus. Here's what true followers of Jesus means. True followers of Jesus means that I'm filtering my life through the teachings of Jesus. I'm not reading the Bible to try to make it fit what I want to do. I'm making my life fit what he teaches. I'm making my life fit what he tells. I'm going, it may not be comfortable for me to do what you say because I don't like it, but I'm a true follower of Jesus. I submit my life, my desires. I don't submit 75% of my life. I don't submit everything but my marriage and my money. I don't submit everything to Jesus except, no, it's everything because Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the savior of the universe. Jesus is the one that gave his life so that we can have life. And true followers of Jesus are people that submit their lives to him. And so I believe that true followers of Jesus, now if you're not a true follower of Jesus, you don't have to filter your life through him because you just don't really care. But a true follower of Jesus should be the most generous person on the planet. See, he, 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 Jesus died to establish the church, the local church, to meet needs in the world, to change cities. And I'm crazy enough to believe that if true followers of Jesus would really submit and we'd really get serious about giving a portion or our, sacri- uh, our first 10%, if we'd really be generous whenever the Spirit speaks, we could change everything. Please hear me. We could change everything because watch this. This is true in your life. This is true in the organization. This is true in the local church. If you ever want to accelerate vision in your life, you need two things. People and resources. Anything, doesn't matter. People and resources. If you want to accelerate the vision in your life that God has for you, people and resources. People will pull it out. People will push you forward. People will make you a better version of yourself, the right people. Resources give you the ability to expand vision and make it happen faster. It's the same thing here. Why do I think that? I think that because I think we could change everything in our city because if the local church had more people and more resources, like I think God set it up, we could, I believe we could eradicate homelessness. We could eradicate hunger. We could adopt every kid that needs to be adopted in each city. And I'm not just talking about Radiate Church because it's not about us, it's about the Big C Church. It's about the church across the globe, which we're actually going to talk about and you're going to see a video about here in just a minute. And I'm just crazy enough to believe that because here's why. The kingdom of God is built on generosity. Hebrews teaches me that when I give my life to Jesus, when I submit my life to God, whenever I give him everything, I now become a part of a kingdom that Hebrews says will never be shaken. Did you know that your financial situation does not shake God up? Did you know that this pandemic didn't even catch God off guard? He didn't wake up and go, oh, I didn't see, oh, I didn't see that coming. Like, okay. Like when we freak out because our boss is a jerk to us, guess what? God's not up there going, oh, well, I didn't know. I didn't know that was going to. It doesn't catch him off guard because we're a part of a kingdom that will never be shaken. The kingdom is built on generosity. Watch this. God, what his only son, God gave his only son freely. Jesus gave his life for you and for me. And they gave in hopes and in faith that we would turn from sin and love him back. In fact, the Bible tells it like this. We love God because he what? First loved us. He loved me before he knew if I would love him back. That's a sacrifice, y'all. That's giving. That's generosity. That's giving without caring about the return. That's looking at Jesus Are Jesus looking at us and going, I don't know if you will love me back, but I love you enough to give my life anyway, and I'll do it before you do. They gave, they gave Jesus, Jesus gave his life. They give us, the the Bible says that we have mercies are new every what? Morning. Every day you wake up, you experience the generosity of the kingdom of God. Isn't that amazing? That yesterday isn't held against me. That yesterday, I can't do anything about. I can't change yesterday. So he goes, you know what? There's new mercy and there's new grace for you today. I'm giving you that. I'm giving you grace and I'm giving you mercy. In fact, the Bible also says that we have access to what God owns. And God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And guess what? He owns the hills too. Why does that matter? In context, that's currency. Cattle and real estate in that day were money. That's how they traded. That's how they got things. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I've got everything you need. I own it and you have access to it. I like to think about generosity like this. Generosity is an opportunity to partner with God to make a difference for God by meeting a need somewhere. Let me say that again. Generosity is an opportunity to partner with God to to make a difference for God by meeting a need somewhere. I I don't know about you, but that, that actually excites me that I get an opportunity to partner with the creator of the universe in some way, shape, or form to make a difference on the earth where he's wanting to expand his kingdom, and I get to be a part of that? Are you kidding me? Well, how? Just by giving an extra dollar? Not just money. See, I want you to think about generosity, not just financially. Think about generosity with your time. Generosity with your emotions. With your energy, with your love, with your grace, with your prayers. Any of those things we can be extremely generous in. I do believe it's, all, it's financial, but it's all these other things too. In fact, financially, watch this, Romans chapter 12, verse 8. Romans 12 talks about spiritual gifts. Did you know that in verse 8, it actually talks about that ridiculous generosity through giving is a spiritual gift? Some people have a giving spiritual gift. That's incredible to me. I love that thought. I love that idea. Ridiculous generosity, though, here's the key because I want us to be a church of ridiculous generosity. Amen? I want us to be a church where we give our time, we give our energy, we give our prayers. We give the overflow of what God's doing in us. We give our finances. We want to be a church of ridiculous generosity of all times. Here's why it's hard for us to grasp that. Because ridiculous generosity goes against culture. It's countercultural. Because everything in the world will teach us this. Hold on to what you have. White knuckle what you got. Save it up. And I'm not against saving. I'm not against any of that stuff. So don't walk away thinking that. I think that stuff's important but I I'm, I'm, am against saving whenever God says give. I am against going against the Spirit of God at any moment. And the reality is the culture tells us, white-knuckle it. You worked hard for it. You deserve it. It's yours. You hold on to that. And God goes, no, because if you white-knuckle it, it has gotten you. You don't have it. It has you. In fact, watch this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Verses 6-8, through eight, the Apostle Paul is writing his second letter to the church of Corinth. And watch this, he talks about it to the church. And here's what he says, verses 6-8. through eight. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do as, just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or against compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. I love what the apostle Paul is teaching the church in that moment. He's saying, listen to me, don't get mad that you don't reap what you want when you refuse to let it go. In other words, he's teaching this, God won't bless a closed fist but he will bless an open hand. He's saying, when you refuse to let it go, when you're not willing to sow the seed, guess what? The seed owns you. Because the seed, or what you're holding on to, now dictates your actions. And when something dictates your actions, it owns you. But when you own the seed, you're willing to go, yeah, I'll sow that seed. I'll scatter that seed. There's not a farmer in the room today that would go, I'm going to reap a harvest in six months, but I'm not sowing any seed today. Because it doesn't make sense. It's illogical. And what he's doing is he's teaching, you've got to be willing that if you want respect, you got to give respect. If you want love, you gotta give love. If you want grace, you gotta give grace. If you want appreciation, you gotta give appreciation. If you want whatever you want, you have to learn to sow. And I love, I love that that, that, that Paul is actually teaching an Old Testament principle in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. You don't have to turn there. And you can just write it down. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. There's this statement, and God says this. He says, I will bless you so that you can be a blessing. I will bless you so you can bless others. Watch this. God will not bless you for your Instagram feed. God doesn't bless so that we can brag. God blesses us so we can bless others. And then when we bless others, he blesses again. That's why the scripture says this. Faithful with little. I bless you with much. Why? Because now we're becoming something that he gets blessings through, not just someone that we want blessings to come to. And it flows through us. And it moves through us. And it makes a difference through us. And now he goes, I will bless you so that you can be more of a blessing. And and he actually says it in verse eight. He echoes the same sentiment in a different way. Paul says it like this. He said, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having All sufficiency in what? Everything. In other words, you will have more than enough in everything so that you may have an abundance for every good internet post, for every good deed. That's why we have to steward well, because if we tie every resource God gives us up in something else, we can't use it to bless somebody else's life. And there should always be more to where I can give and I can bless somebody else's life and make an impact in the world and somebody else's life. And uh, there's two mentalities that kind of go along with generosity. One of them is one that I kind of slip into sometimes, if I'm going to be honest. I, I default into this. And it's called the scarcity mentality. Now, I'm not the guy. Listen, I just want to make this clear. I'm not the guy that's going to get up and go, if you do these five things, you'll get a $100,000 check from God just miraculously in the mail. I'm not that guy. What I do know is I know that when I follow God's promises, he always takes care of the rest. So that's what we're talking about today. But there's a scarcity mentality that kind of creeps in. And this is where I go by default sometimes, I have to talk myself out of this, right? The scarcity mentality is the mentality of hold on to everything I've got. Because when it's gone, I don't know when I'll get it back. I don't know if it'll ever boomerang back around into my life. If I give you $10, that $10 is gone. You know what I'm saying? The scarcity mentality actually causes us to clam up and stay in the same place we've always been. The scarcity mentality, like i I'm a CEO and a boss of this organization. And stuff. The, C- the scarcity mentality will make it where I'm scared to spend any money to do anything to expand the kingdom of God. The scarcity mentality will make it hard for me to hire people. The scarcity mentality makes it hard for me to preach about money because I'm scared that if you get mad that you might not like me anymore. Like, that's what scarcity mentality is. Scarcity mentality is that you don't open up and love others because of the way somebody else loved you. That was not right. Scarcity mentality makes us clam up and go, wait a second, I got to kind of stay right here with my four and no more. The scarcity mentality makes it so that we don't invite people to church because what if they come and they're not the same people that go here? Good. Don't do that to them, Mike. They're going to yell at me later. Like the truth, they're not. The truth is, scarcity mentality makes us back up But there's another mentality that comes in called the faith mentality. And the faith mentality comes in and goes, I don't give based on what I have left. I give based on what God has said. I give based on what He's leading me to do in that moment. I don't think, I think there's a way to be irrational and immature about that stuff, and I think there's a way that you just be faith-filled and you know that God's leading you to do something. Watch this. There's a story in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. I want to read it to you real quick because it's really interesting about scarcity mentality versus faith mentality. Watch this. It says this. And he, being Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and he began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury and many rich people were putting in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amounted to one cent. And calling his disciples to him, he said to them, truly, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. Watch this. For they all put out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned and all she had to live on. He said, a lady that gave one cent Gave more than a guy that gave a hundred thousand dollars in that day. Why? Watch this. You know why, because she was giving out of her poverty and she, that's all she had. But isn't it interesting that Jesus did something that none of us would do? If we watched a lady and we knew that that's all she had and she was about to give it away, most of us would walk up and go, Hey, you probably shouldn't do that. How about I put the penny in for you and you take that and go spend it on something else, right? Because we don't want her to be without something. Jesus never stopped her. Jesus never walked up up to her and said, ma'am, I know that's all you got left, and I see your heart. And because I see your heart, don't worry about putting it in the bucket. No, Jesus let her keep going. Why? Because Jesus understands a kingdom principle in that moment that he's wanting to teach a lesson off of, and it's this, that God's blessing on the other side of obedience is always better than our stinginess. And our selfishness. God's blessing on the other side of obedience will take care of every need that we have. See, I'm not the God that believes, oh, this you do this and this will happen and all that stuff. I do believe that stuff takes place. But I am the God that believes when God speaks and you act, there's always blessing. That's the equation. God speaks, you act, there's blessing. God speaks, you act, there's blessing. That's why we have to be at a place to where if we're gonna live generous with our money, with our time, with our influence, with our love, with our passion, with our grace. If we're going to live generous, we have to live in constant communication with the presence and the Spirit of God. And we have to hear what He's saying. I have to be able to hear when God goes, give them $100. Or write that $3,000 check. Or do this. Or do that. Whatever that looks like. I have to be able to hear God tell me that. Or else I may miss out on their blessing. And my opportunity to be a part of that. Are you following me today? Now, here's the thing. I got a video that I want to show you. Because at Radiate Church, we want to be ridiculously generous with everything. So we support multiple ministries here at Radiate Church. And we'll tell you more about all that in just a minute. We support multiple ministries. We do many things uh, by by trying to do as much as we can financially and, and beyond all over the place. But we support a ministry called FIRM, the Fellowship of Israel Related Ministries. And firm is a is is in Jerusalem. It's in Israel, and they try to reach all of Israel with the message of Jesus, the Messiah. And but they call him, and you're going to hear on the video Yeshua, and Yeshua is Jesus. When you hear that, just so you know. But I want you to see because you probably saw on the news earlier this year when there was rockets being being uh, uh, shot over, and there was a war that was happening in Israel and people were scared, and you probably saw the footage from all the news feeds, I want you to see that your generosity, your generosity made a difference in one of the most tumultuous times in Israel, in in modern day that we can remember. I want you to take about six minutes, sit back, watch this video, and look at the difference your generosity has made this year.
1: Hey Radiate Church, we are so grateful for you and Pastor Brandon and Megan and your entire team. You guys are making such a difference here in Israel.
2: Thank you guys for all the lives that we get to impact through so many ministries across this country together. We know that we couldn't do it without you. We know that this year we've all been faced with many obstacles. In fact, earlier this year we were faced with a war with Hamas in Gaza that caught us and our team off guard. But we really prayed and sought the Lord and said, how can we come in the opposite spirit of the fear and the hatred and tension that we're experiencing?
1: So thanks to your generosity, we were able to partner with believers all across the land and be the hands and feet of Yeshua. So today we want to share with you some stories about how you impacted so many lives and brought the hope and healing of Yeshua to so many hurting people. So I'm on my way to the city of Ashdod and this city is really close to the Gaza border. We're going to get the chance to talk to Pastor Israel Proshtar and hear about what it was like to live in a city where hundreds of rockets were directed towards them and how as a congregation they were able to respond in the midst of the conflict.
3: that is a big modern city with very tall buildings yet we have uh, rockets and bombs coming over my city time to time thinking of all the families with the little kids uh, my son's family with two little daughters people have been caught in all kind of situations so those who have little kids we send them out and thank you by the way for helping us to send them out to north to safe place just to be in safety uh, far away from here in Galilee that use Our international friends, uh, just to bring hope and bless Israel, tangible ways. Few miracles happened. Few homes were hit by rockets. One specific house uh, that was hit by a rocket about nine feet from the explosion. There were elderly couple sitting sitting in their sofa, and explosion hit the house. It destroyed all the house, and all the shrapnel went around them. When I came to this home, I couldn't believe. I spoke with the lady. She said, "It's a miracle." It's a miracle. It's God. <laughs> so God doing lots of miracles.
1: We also wanted to help one of our local partners who stumbled into an opportunity to be a light to their community.
2: And we were doing some uh, services here with the volunteers and then we hear all our iPhones start to uh, show us the sirens and then we hear just those booms. And then we see people starting just to floating into our place from the streets. And we open our place. People were scared, shaky. we give in water. We switch on some uh, relaxing music for people to see. And then I, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 people came into the church because our church building, it's, a, it's actually a bomb shelter. So, and I thought, why don't we use this place to be a real shelter for people, let's say, from the south of Israel, because they were even crazy what's happened there. Why we won't just take them uh, into our place and host them here for a few weeks?
1: We're so happy that
4: actually our thoughts become a dream, become a goal, become a reality. Thanks for all of your support and financial, And it is amazing, actually, what we can do right now and what we already starting. We start so fast, actually, when the money comes, the next day we already destroy the toilet to build a new one. (laughs) It was amazing. This is our heartbeat. We want to bring people home. the Bible said, do the good deeds that the people are praising the Lord. This is what we want to do.
1: As great as it was to help Israelis in need, we didn't want to stop there. We really wanted to walk out the words of Yeshua, to love our neighbors so i'm on my way to the jerusalem area where we get to talk to one of our local ministry partners and hear about this incredible opportunity we had to bless palestinians from gaza tell me about some opportunities recently that you've had to bless our neighbors
4: one unusual one i guess kind of ended up at our door with um, the people from gaza who, who started coming into israel to receive treatment for cancer. A lot of them, you know, this is going to sound a bit odd, but they would much rather receive treatment in an Israeli hospital than their own hospitals. Uh, what we realized is that many of these would come and they were lacking just basic support and help while they were in the country. And so one Muslim background believer, and follower of Yeshua, decided that, hey, we need to help these people. And uh, basically, he found different places where they were staying all together. And at the beginning, it was just going to visit them and provide food supplements. and um, uh, giving them encouragement, praying for them, and, and as they were going and everything, but then that started to develop and lots of other people came, they threw the door open to them, and uh, yeah, it's just turned into, actually it's now relating to different children and in different projects and people coming from, from Gaza to receive medical help here in Israel. The miraculous story that I would say has happened is one of them actually asked, you know, a lot of them will ask for prayer, but one of them asked for prayer specifically during this time and said, you know, I'm going in for an operation in a few days, would you pray for me? A few days later he went in, the doctor looked at his chart, got ready to do the operation. And he said, "Listen, I can't find any trace of the cancer in your body. You've been, you're healed. And obviously because he just came to faith in Yeshua as the Messiah, he ran back to the, the hotel where you're staying and he told all his friends, I've been healed, I've been healed. So this gives us the practical opportunity to build more partnerships that then build, basically build relationships that we can give away the hope that we have in Yeshua to all kinds of people from all
2: kinds of different backgrounds. We know that Jesus promises us that in this world, we will experience tribulation, but that he has overcome the world.
1: And in the midst of everything going on in the world, thank you for continuing to partner with us. We are believing and continuing to work towards the day where every person in Israel has an authentic encounter with the love of Yeshua.
2: And we know that this would not be possible without you. Our team is grateful for you and we're praying for you. Thanks for coming on this journey with us.
0: To celebrate what God's doing there. See, that's what generosity can do. You couldn't do that by yourself. I couldn't do that by myself. But when we come together and we partner together, we can make a difference in a place that we've never even stepped foot in Israel and watch God change people's lives for the kingdom of God amen it's amazing watch this God's done some amazing things this year I I hope you'll celebrate this stuff with me today that uh, because we also partner with organizations that plant churches this year alone in 2021 we've planted we've helped plant 64 churches this year throughout the United States come on somebody we decided this year we were going to do something a little different. Um, we partnered with a specific church in Raleigh, North Carolina, um, that we have a relationship with. And COVID was just really kind of wrecking those guys a little bit, and as it did most churches. You know, like every church was hit in some way, shape, or form. And... Um, They couldn't find a place to meet. They couldn't figure out what was going on. But through your generosity and their stewardship and what God has done through their church and the people in their church and their generosity, they were able to secure and upfit a brand new facility and start meeting again so they don't have to worry about renting and leasing a space like that. You've helped, through your generosity, multiple people and couples get counseling this year in order to help them get healthy and to get through things so that they could be, um, everything God's called them to be you through your generosity and and through a life group that we have here called an outreach life group here at radiate. Um, we provide meals each and every single month, uh, to people in need in Kershaw and in Richland County, your generosity helps make that happen this year. Um, we, we found out recently, um, about a family who's, wife was battling breast cancer. The husband's trying to hold everything together. It's been a really, really bad battle. Bills are coming due. I mean, it's just been bad. His, his job is in their vehicle. Um, and so he has to drive a lot, but they couldn't get tires. They couldn't find time nor money to really get tires. Well, guess what? Your generosity bought that family brand new tires so that man could continue to work and support that family through a hard time. We've done things like that. We can't do things like that for everybody, but we say it like this. We want to do for one what we wish we could do for all. And when God speaks, we'll do for one what we wish we could do for all six, seven, eight hundred people that call Radiate Church home every single week. Um, We've helped purchase a playground for a local elementary school. We've built wheelchair ramps and steps and things like that for other families. Y'all, all all in all, this year, we've given away over $40,000 Dollars to people that can use it to make an impact. Y'all, listen, we want to be ridiculously generous at Radiate Church. It's not just about getting a check, but watch this. Generosity, here's what we have to know. Generosity is not just about me. Generosity is actually never about me. It's never about you. Generosity is about God and others. That's what generosity is about. It's about hearing the voice of God, And blessing the life of others by hearing the voice of God. And so we make a a, a strategic and intentional movement every single week at Radiate Church to be as intentionally and ridiculously generous as absolutely possible anytime that we can. And that's the church that you serve. Now watch this. The holidays are coming around. And people... Feel more generous around the holidays. I want you to lean into that. And I'm not just talking about money. Like, Let's take money off the table for a minute. But I want you to lean into the fact that with your love and your grace and your mercy, some people need you to just generously give about 20 seconds of your time and just let them know that they matter and that somebody sees them. I I took my family out to eat recently uh, this past week. And y'all, it was like one of the most pleasant restaurant staffs I've ever been around. It wasn't even like an upscale, crazy, nice restaurant. It was just, we were getting a burger. And man, I went and I told the staff before I left. I said, I just want y'all to know. Y'all are some of the nicest restaurant staff I've I've ran into in a long time. You guys are incredible. Keep doing what you're doing. She looked at me and she kind of gripped her chest and she goes, thank you. Nobody ever tells us that. And y'all, maybe it's because they were only nice to me. I don't know. But. Her point was, is that meant something to her. It took 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Be generous with your compliments, with your time. And then some people around this time of the year, every single year since I've been pastor in this church, for nine and a half years, I've never had to stand up and I've never had to look at you and go, I need you guys to come through and help us pay a bill so that we can keep going. I've never had to ask that. In nine and a half years of pastoring, and I consider that a privilege. And it's because of your consistent generosity to radiate church and I thank you so much for that every year around this time people begin and they go before the end of the year I just want to write a big check I want to give a big offering I want to bless the church and you know I want to help accelerate the vision that's one of my spiritual gifts is giving and help accelerate the vision and for you guys I want to say thank you Because that makes a difference. Maybe you're praying about that. Maybe your amount looks different than somebody else's. That's fine. I'm not up here to ask for that. But if you're praying about that, God's kind of leaning you towards that. Man, we have resources to help you with that movement and what you want to do with that. But I just want to encourage you today that generosity is not just about a check. And what you saw today through a video and what you saw today and heard today through updates of what God's done through this church, that's not the end. That's where we start, not where we finish. Do you hear me? That's where we start, not where we finish. That's where we start because there's more people to reach. There's more seats to fill. There's more lives to impact. There's more people in Israel to reach. There's more people all around this world to reach. And we will be a part of being ridiculously generous enough to where we will reach every single person that we possibly can within our reach, with our finances, with our love, with our invitations, with our prayers, with our hugs, with our high fives, with our smiles, with whatever it takes, we will do whatever we have to do to be ridiculously generous and reach as many people as possible. Are you with me? Amen? Come on, come on, come on. You guys are being quiet today. I think the turkey's still in. Here's what I'd love to do. I'd love to pray over you today. As you walk out of here today, I want you to consider what does it look like to be generous? Because here's the beauty. You don't have to be of a certain tax bracket and a certain upbringing and all that stuff to be generous. All of us, no matter what, can be generous in some way, shape, or form that is also an opportunity to partner with God, to make a difference for God by filling a need somewhere. Would you stand to your feet and let me pray over you today. Pastor Travis is going to come out in just a second and give us some next steps and send us on our way. Father, we honor you and we thank you that your kingdom is built on generosity. God, I pray that you'd move with us. As we walk out of here today, we get the opportunity to be generous. We don't have to be a certain person. We don't have to be a certain way. We can be generous no matter what. And God, I pray that you'd show us what it looks like to be generous with our prayers, with our finances, with our worship, with our time, with our energy with all that we have, let us just live generous. Let us be ridiculously generous at all times. God, we love you. We honor you and our whole goal. Our whole goal is to help us do what we can do to accelerate the vision you have for this church, for this city, and on the earth. God, we love you. We honor you as we are generous with our lives. In your name we pray.